Hi, everyone. I'm Kelly O'Horo, and this is Adaptable Behavior Explained. Hi there, everybody. Today, we're going to talk about social media, smartphones, technology, and other ways that we use technology to numb. And it's a hot topic because we are all so completely reliant on our technology and our social media and our phones. And at the same time, most of us are pretty aware about how much that has changed the way we feel about ourselves and our relationship to presence and our sense of being able to be bored to be able to be calm, to find other things to do when we are impulsively drawn to uh, to our devices. I have to say that personally, this is a struggle for me because there's so much that I rely on with, with social media related to business, uh, for our information gathering, the research that we want to do. And there's that fine line between I went to YouTube to uh, learn something and I got stuck in the mindless scroll of the shorts. And before I knew it, there were hours that went by. And I'm sure many of you can relate to this phenomenon. And so today we're going to talk a little bit about that and some, some, you know, chemical implication of uh, chemical implications of what our social media, perhaps lack of boundaries or addiction is causing in our bodies and, and in a social uh, perspective, you know, gener- generationally how things have changed so much. When I was growing up, you know, we had our TV and we had our 10 channels and we had the bunny ears on the TV and, you know, someone had to get up to go change that. And when I look at how my children have been raised, it's even different in their, their lives because my older children, you know, we didn't let them get phones until they, they had a job to pay for their phones. And my youngest was alone most of the time because he was, you know, about a seven year spread and we wanted him to have a way to communicate when he rode his bike to a friend's house or things like that. So he had a phone around 12 and if I had it my way, I think that we would not do that. I think it's way too young to have so much distraction and so much of a pull that's not in our present surroundings, especially at an important time of our brain's development. So think about your pull to your social media for a moment or to your smartphone. Have you found yourself in a panic when you can't find it? when it's lost, whether it's because everything that you know about in your life and how you organize your world is on it, or because you're so impulsively or compulsively connected to how you spend your time related to your social media or your phone or your devices. On on average, the U.S. population spends two to four hours a day tapping, typing, and swiping on their devices. That adds up to over 2,600 daily touches. Thinking about that in our society today compared to what once was, there's a significant difference in how we're spending our moments on this earth. Most of us has become so intimately entwined with our digital lives that they connect they connect us to everything. Yet notice how when you walk around, for example, uh, you know, a park or a zoo and people have their phone out. And they're constantly looking at it and they're in line for something and they're constantly scrolling. People are so disconnected and numbed out by their social media or their devices and they don't seem to be able to habitually be present. And I don't think this is on purpose. I don't think we're doing this because we're trying to intentionally numb out. I think it becomes an impulse. I'll give you a personal example. My husband was noticing like the the impulsive connection to Instagram. And so he removed it from his phone so that he could take a break because he was realizing he didn't have the thoughtful discipline to not just 
grab it whenever he found himself in moments of boredom. And he said that it took like over a month before he would pick up his phone and not impulsively bring his thumb right to where his Instagram app was. And so when you think about how habitually we respond to that data and our stimulus, it's pretty fascinating. And now there's even more ways that pull our attention. We've got Snapchat, we've got Instagram, we've got Facebook, got Pinterest, we've got TikTok, which is all the rage. And people lose hours and hours and hours of their lives scrolling mindlessly through this data for lack of uh, inability to tolerate boredom or entertainment or just to disconnect uh, from their lives and their chaos. So we've evolved to be so social in our species But our key connection and the feature of success for us is to be around about 150 people in our in our environment. And, and we thrive with a, with a circle of about 150 people. That's kind of how we do best based on research. And what we know with our devices in our pockets is that we are now multiplying the magnitude of our connection to over 2 billion potential connections. It's insane the difference of that. So there's no doubt that our smartphones provide an immense benefit to our society, but the cost is becoming more and more apparent to our mental health, our wellness, and our connection. So there's a lot of studies now that are showing links between our smartphone usage, our um, our pull to social media, and and our and our pull to not having good work life balance. So we're working at all hours of the night with our email and our responses and our responding to to our DMs and our Teams messages. And we've seen an increase in levels of anxiety and depression, poor sleep quality, and increased injury from from car crashes or even death. Because when you're on your phone and you're driving, you're not paying attention. And we're so compulsively tied to this that we don't even stop to think that I'm driving right now and I shouldn't be on my phone because it's so thoughtless and mindless. Many of us wish that we spent less time on our phone, but we find it incredibly difficult to disconnect from it. So why are our phones and our social media, why are they so hard to ignore? Well, there's a lot of science that backs that. First of all, dopamine. Dopamine is this chemical that's produced by our brains, and it, it, it really plays the starring role in motivating of our behavior. It gets released when we take a bite of delicious food, when we have sex, after we exercise, uh, and most importantly, when we have successful, successful social interactions. So in the evolutionary context, it rewards us. Dopamine rewards us for beneficial behaviors, and it motivates us to repeat them. So when we think about the way dopamine works in our brain, there's four major pathways in our brain that um, connect different parts that act as highways for chemical messages. And each pathway has its own associated cognitive or motor process. And it's been shown that the reward pathways in our brain that are tied to things like social media tend to be dysfunctional in in cases of addiction. So other things that elicit addictive pathway responses change the way our dopamine reward system works and ultimately are found to be dysfunctional. So they're not working the right way. We mess up our dopamine and we mess up the way our pathways function when we overuse something. And so it's really chemical and it's really habitual the way our neuropathways fire and wire. 
So basically our smartphones and our social media have provided us with social stimuli, both positive and negative. And we are reinforced with the dopamine that comes from every notification, every like, every ding, every, um, every, every time that we engage with our social media, it has the potential to be about either a positive or a, so, a negative social stimulus and ultimately a dopamine influx. So why is this important? Well, because first of all, we have to recognize that this is having a tremendous impact on our, our health, our brains, and our overall wellness. And it's important for us to be mindful that we do things that impact our health. And so we have an opportunity to look at it. But let me just talk about some of the things that we're at risk of if we don't. So obviously this can cause addiction. Excessive use negatively impacts our mental health and it changes the way our dopamine fires and wires. But we're seeing, like I said before, increases in loneliness, depression, and anxiety. Those moments where we're not feeling connected, we're, we're, um, and we've kind of messed up our dopamine pathway, we're, ex we're exacerbating experiences of loneliness that might not have otherwise been bothersome. FOMO. The fear of missing out. We see the lives of others in our phones and we imagine that we could be doing these things. But it's important to remember that nobody is posting all of the, the, the lulls of their life. Or I should say, most people aren't po posting those things. I, I realize there are people on TikTok that are doing lives, doing absolutely nothing. I still can't for the life of me understand how those are being watched. But but what I do understand is most of the time we are curating a, a life that shows a tiny snapshot of what really goes on. I was talking to one of my sons last night about this because I said, I'm going to do an episode on, on social media. And he goes, man, I wish I was there. I'd love to be a guest. You know, he's 22 years old and he's talking about all the things that he recognizes have kind of messed him up related to social media. You know, one of the things is that he finds himself in a, an imaginary place where he sees the way other people are living their lives and he makes up a story that it's always like that. And so he says, when I pull myself away from that and I find myself more present and I'm interacting in real life, I'm so much happier. But the minute that stuff stops and I end up bored or disconnected or lonely, I find myself compulsively back on my social media and it's a, it's a facade. It's not what's true about what people are doing and spending their time. So that fear of missing out is one of the risks that we have by falling into our social media at inappropriate quantities and, and it, and not sending, uh, not setting boundaries for ourselves around our digital diet. I've heard a lot about people in cyberbullying and things that can have a negative impact related to cyberbullying and powerlessness for people, especially teens. You know, in our community, just a month ago, uh, there was a story about uh, a, a young man who posted images of his girlfriend. You know. Uh, in inappropriate pictures of her not dressed properly. And it was so devastating for her that she actually died by suicide that week. And so we think about the tremendous impact that this has because that 
that post went viral and it was so devastating to her. She could not overcome it. And we really minimize the impact that this stuff has on people. So I think we have a responsibility to be educating our children, to be overseeing their, um, their activity on social media. We, we have a real responsibility to know what's going on and to monitor. And some people might argue that that's a violation of their privacy or their safety. But I think as a parent, we really have the responsibility to know what's going on in in the phones of our children. And I think that's a really healthy boundary to set. You can have your phone, but you can only have your phone if I have full visibility into it. When I was a kid, you know, you could pass a note and it would get tossed or it wouldn't, but ultimately there wasn't a risk of it being shown to the whole world. And so the risk was much, much smaller when we wrote something down. Another risk is this idea of living vicariously through content that's on the internet, whether it's our YouTube shorts or whether it's, you know, reality television shows that are kind of almost emulating some of the social media channels and things that you'll see on social media as a way to avoid or numb our own reality. I can say that I found myself really falling into almost an addictive pattern of watching The Bachelor this last year. I've never watched it before. I'm, I'm kind of a new follower. And I recognize that it was kind of the same, I think, as people who bury themselves and numb in in uh, in social media. I was excited to see what was going to happen. It was not at all related to my own life. And it was a way that I could really disconnect and numb out. Now, I'm not saying don't watch TV shows and don't be on social media. What I'm saying is be mindful. You know, I'll, I'll tell my, my clients, it's fine if you sit and eat a bucket of ice cream, just with the awareness of knowing I'm sitting here and I'm eating my feelings. So if you're aware and you're connected to the motivation behind a behavior, there's a much higher likelihood that you're going to have mindful connection to that and manage the time that you spend doing that. One of the other things that I notice a lot in, in our clients and in my family system is that chronic impulsive connection to the to their social media and the smartphones really disconnects us from one another. So we're not present. We're not, um, we're not feeling as connected. And that can lead to feelings of like inadequacy and low self-esteem. You know, I know if I'm present with people, I find myself thinking, what are you doing in there? Why are you doing that instead of paying attention to the conversation that we're having, right? It makes me feel bad. And so recognizing that that pull is having an impact on the people around you. So it's important to set boundaries around social media use and time. It can lead to a lack of privacy, right? It can negatively impact our mental health and our relationships when we post things that are that are um, personal in nature, or maybe our family posts things that are not, uh, we haven't given them permission to post. And so we're kind of upset about the choice they made. And I'm negatively impacted because of a choice someone else made. So that can, that can compromise my safety and trust in a relationship. And so we want to be mindful about how we choose to post and how it's going to impact the people around us. Decreasing the face-to-face conversation by way of social media and texting negatively impacts our relationships in a whole slew of ways. I joke with some of my clients because they'll go, well, we were texting and we were fighting via text. I, I say to my, I say to myself, I say to them, I could have an entire business based on texting fights or posting fights because it takes out the tone. It takes out our connection. And oftentimes we are not brave enough to say to a person And we're more curated and managed if we were going to say something directly to somebody's face. 
And so we will say things in a text when we are in a triggered state or on a social media post on a triggered state that doesn't probably reflect what we would do if we were just face to face having a conversation with somebody. So it's really negative. It really has the potential to negatively impact relationships if we're not moving in and talking with people directly. Another issue that can come from excessive social media use would be a lack of empathy and understanding. Again, we're seeing something posted and we aren't necessarily feeling the tone, the emotion, the whole picture of what someone might be going through based on that, what prompted that post. And so there's, it's, it's two dimensional and we're not interacting with the full truth of someone's experience. And so that can create assumptions, which can negatively impact our relationships that can ultimately contribute to a lack of trust, uh, lack of authenticity, lack of intimacy. And these things all negatively impact our relationships because it decreases our emotional connection with one another. How many of you have experienced times where you're laying in bed and your partner and you are just laying on your phones? You're not touching. You're not making eye contact. You're not supporting one another or checking in on what, where they are in their emotional world and their, in your lives, because you're both impulsively or compulsively checking out and numbing out on your phones. So this really creates a lot of disconnection in relationships that are, that are meant to be intimate and connecting. It leads to a lack of social support possibly, and oftentimes even a lack of self-care. You know, I forgot to take a shower because I was so busy, checked out that now I'm late and, and I didn't eat. And, and we see this not only with social media, but we see this with video games. It's a way to, to disconnect and numb out and almost find yourself in a fantasy in a life that isn't actual as a way to disconnect from my present reality. And so it's just another thing we want to be really aware of and pay attention, you know, develop some self-awareness around the hours that you spend doing these kinds of activities and monitor the, the people that you're responsible for, your children, and how they're spending time with these activities because we really are creating pathways in the brain that are lifelong and it can take a lot of of. Um, intention and change and mindfulness to change this habituated response because of the amount of dopamine and the wiring that have happened as a result of excessive use. So it's not all doom and gloom. We have some tips here that you can use to help change your relationship with your smartphones, with your social media, and with, with the way that you numb out. So one way is turn off your notifications and alerts. Set time in your life where you're going to go check things out and, and time box it. These badges and these notifications, they're designed to draw your attention back to your phone. And, and so we're encouraging you reclaim your time to diminish the effect that it has on the dopamine reward and motivating you to go back. Check out instructions for your specific device under your additional resources so that you can learn how to change your notifications and your badges. You can change things on your phone to go to focus mode. So use your device settings to turn off distractions. You can, you can change your um, backgrounds to grayscale because it makes it less visually stimulating. And so it's not as much of a pull. You know, the designers of these apps are brilliant. They are designed for a reason to pull you in using the same technology that slot machine makers are using in, in gambling environments. There's a quick hit, a quick hit, a quick hit. And so these are all absolutely on purpose. They're, they're, um, they're designed to pull us in and honestly, to diminish our choices because we're so um, 
blinded by the emotional and the physical and the chemical impact that these choices and behaviors have on us. So decentivize their use. Make it harder for yourself to constantly engage with these apps by maybe not saving a password so you have to go retype it in every time to, so it'll in, in hinder your desire. Hide them from your home screen so you have to swipe several pages in order to find those apps. Um, use them exp- exclusively on a tablet or computer so they're not always at the ready. Time boxing yourself around specific things that you know you get sucked into and it pulls you away. Reduce the harm, your emotional impact. What I mean by this is unfollow accounts that negatively impact your health. Things that bring up frustration, aggravation. Take an inventory once or twice a year and remove apps that um, that you no longer use or remove them all every year and then specifically have to go in and intentionally download the ones that you have decided. Again, making intention about how you spend your time. Eliminate outrage or clickbait. We vote with our attention and click, so don't support sites that pollute our culture, our environment with vitriol via clickbait and outrage. Unfollow outrage chasing voices. So unfollow purposefully outrageous Twitter accounts, Facebook groups. Um, start fresh and intentionally choose the voices that you expose yourself to because these, all these pages that you follow that create negative uh, emotions or frustrating, they're doing that on purpose. You want to remove polarizing media outlets from your newsfeed. Both Fox News and, and MSNBC are examples of these. They are on purpose polarizing us and pulling us into sides that don't represent a full picture of things. Follow positive news sources that don't always need to be upsetting. You know, there's a lot of positive news sources that are uplifting. Find them and install those so that you're intentional about the exposure for your for your news diet. Create tech-free spaces in your home and in your environments. Clear your morning and evenings. Like I said, that first 49 minutes and last 49 minutes of the day really are best to be technology-free. Device-free dinners, charge out, charge your devices outside of your room so that you're not as uh, pulled to be on them. Get a dedicated alarm clock. That's what I hear a lot of times from my clients. Well, but that's my alarm. Buy an alarm clock. They're $10 at Walmart or Target and use that so that you can remove the phones from your bedside table. Every once in a while, do a digital detox. Remove yourself and let everybody know, hey, I'm going to be unavailable on my social media. I'm going to reconnect with myself and my loved ones, and I'm going to take a break from technology. It's good for your brain. It reduces the harmful effects that it has on us. And pick dates to be offline regularly. You know, let your friends and family know every Sunday I'm offline, people. So I'm going to set some appropriate expectations about what you can expect from me because I'm not going to be on them. Again, these are opportunities for you to take a vacation from the the pull and the drive that are designed specifically to rob us of our time and of our choices and to change the way our brains work. And we, by knowing, can make different choices and we can take back the power of our life and we can be intentional about how we spend our time and our minutes on this earth in hopes that we go back to more connection and cultivating rich face-to-face experiences and learning something new, being curious, exploring your environments around you, and going back to to less pull to the technological um, 
arena that we all live in being intentional about how we change and how we expose ourselves. So hopefully you found this helpful and interesting and that you look at some ways in your life, you can do a little bit of a digital detox and take back some of the time in your life and see how you feel. My guess is it's going to be a pretty big improvement. So thank you so much for tuning in. I appreciate your time and I wish you the best. And don't forget to lead with love. It'll never steer you wrong.